0: good morning, Rivertree. How's everyone doing? Good. Yeah, good, good. Do, 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 do. Thank you for everyone who came out to the race this morning. We had a lot of fun. Court marshalling and wrangling parents and all, all of that fun stuff. <laughs> but thank you for everyone who came out. It was a great opportunity, I think it was a fun time. Now, right okay. Today, we are going to continue our journey through Matthew. And we're going to continue the the storyline we've been doing, so I want to kind of just give a quick catch-up and, you know, background check of what's been going on. So if you recall, Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth. He'd come there to teach, to do miracles. It didn't go well. Town didn't believe him. Town was having none of it. So he leaves. As he's leaving, he finds out his cousin, John the Baptist, has been killed, so after hearing this, Jesus decides, I need, I need to be, go alone. I need to be by myself. So he takes a boat across the water, tries to be alone by himself, but as soon as the crowds find out where he is, they all descend. So he spends the majority of the day teaching, doing miracles, healing. The, B- the Bible talks about that he does a lot of healing there that day. Toward the end of the day, that's when they need food. This is the fish, the fish, the fishes and the loaves story. We're the disciples bring the food, Jesus, you know, blesses it, and they divide it, and there's more than enough food for everyone, including all of the leftovers. That's just happened. So we're picking up immediately after that today. Jump in. Right then, right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. When he sent them away, he went up into, into a mountain to pray by himself. Evening came, and he was alone. This is maybe one of the more forceful ways Jesus talks to the disciples. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Wasn't, you know, commanded them to go, made them get into the boat and leave. So Jesus sends the disciples off, dismisses the crowd, and now finally gets his chance to be alone. The the thing he wanted to do from the beginning of this long, long day, he finally gets to do. He finally gets to mourn he finally gets to reflect and be with his father. I think this really highlights the importance of this, that Jesus, God, needed time to mourn, wanted time alone to just sit with God, to sit with his heavenly father. I think it's just a really great reminder for us that this is something we need to be doing too. We need to give ourselves time to sit, time to be alone, time to reflect. So he finally gets this time, he does it, and he goes through most of the night doing this, praying on the mountain alone. Continuing on in the story. Meanwhile, the boat, <coughs> biting a strong headwind, was being battered by the waves and was already far from land. Very early in the morning, his disciples he, he came <coughs> very early in the morning, he came to his disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. They were so frightened they screamed. Then Jesus spoke to them, be, be encouraged, it's me, don't be afraid. So just so we can have some quick bearings on kind of where we are. So this is the Sea of Galilee, this is where this event's happening. I couldn't find a map big enough that would have it, but Nazareth would be, you know, down here. So Jesus starts up there, crosses the lake, we're uncertain where, there's kind of three mountains over here Jesus could go at. My guess is probably that one, but it doesn't really matter which one because this one is the most isolated one, and in the previous story they talk about the location being isolated. But regardless, Jesus goes up to one of these mountains to pray. Later on in the passage, we know what port they're going to. It mentions they're going to this port. So Jesus is up on the mountain praying, boat going across the water, not making much headway, because big storms coming in, it's fighting, the, the, the winds are fighting against the boat. So that's just kind of a quick idea, so you kind of visually see what's going on here. Boat slowly chugging away, fighting the wind, fighting the water, but it's it's moving forward. Now, the timing of this, this translation says very early in the morning. Other translations might say during the fourth watch of the night. That's anywhere from 3 to 6 a.m., so either really, really late or really early, depending on how you're looking at it. So this is, you know, deep into the night. So Jesus has spent a good chunk of the night in prayer. Now, the idea of ghost, it's a ghost. They were so frightened, they screamed. This is not that uncommon of a reaction. We see this and we're like, why, What are they jumping to ghost? Ghost belief in the ancient world was really, really common. It was pretty much accepted that ghosts were around. So the idea is that ghosts were created at the time of death and ghosts carried all of the memories and personalities of the individual people that had died. Those just got transferred to the ghost. That was the common kind of ancient world belief. And in the Old Testament, there are a lot of references to ghosts. Most of the time, it's God warning the people, like, don't mess with ghosts, don't mess with necromancy, don't do that kind of stuff. Maybe the most famous story involving a ghost is from Samuel. It's the Witch of Endor, where Saul goes to the Witch of Endor because Saul wants to talk to Samuel, but Samuel's dead. So the witch summons up Samuel's ghost, and Samuel yells at Saul for doing it. It, it. It's kind of funny, but that's maybe the most famous ghost story in the Bible. Now, so this common-held idea that you know, ghosts are out there. There was a special kind of ghost, water ghost, that th- it was just extra scary, because a lot of what went into the idea of ghosts was if you didn't get a proper burial, you couldn't go on, you, you were stuck here if you die at sea or on the lake, you don't get a proper burial. So there was this very like, held idea that water ghosts are out there, and water ghosts are angry that they didn't get a proper burial, so they're gonna try to lure as many people into the water as they can. The, the thought was that water ghosts are out there, they would try to tell you to come into the water and then drown you. So this is kind of in the background of you know, what's happening here, which is why they instantly jumped to there's, there's a dude walking on the water. That has to be a ghost, right? And in our section here, this is also kind of a fun little literary callback, because if you recall, at the beginning of this chapter, Herod thinks Jesus is a ghost. Herod thinks Jesus is John the Baptist in ghost form. And so it's just an interesting theme you see come up over and over again, people mistaking Jesus for a ghost, and we'll kind of see as the chapters go on kind of how that pays off. But just, I think it's a, a fun little kind of callback to that. So Jesus jumps right in and comforts them immediately. You know, be encouraged, it's me, it's me, don't be afraid. This don't be afraid is a very common greeting from angels because apparently angels were terrifying and so you get this very common like, you know, don't be afraid, you know, we're here to help kind of thing. So Jesus is doing that same thing. And now let's just see how Peter reacts to this he's always got something fun for us to read about. Peter replied, Lord, if it is you, order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the strong wind, he became frightened. As he began to sink, he shouted, Lord, rescue me. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, saying, You man of weak faith, why did you begin to have doubts? When they got into the boat, the wind settled down, and those in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, You must be the Son of God. Peter, as always, this is his intro to the story here. He, this seems like a weird question for Peter to ask, right? You see a ghost coming toward you. The ghost says, Hey, it's me, Jesus. And you say, If it is you, tell me to go into the water. That's exactly what the, the, the ghost would, would want. So like, to me, this is like a weird jump for Peter to make, but regardless, he does. He steps out, goes into the water. Do we it? Yeah, okay. So Peter is going out, and I was very proud of this, very proud. <laughs> um, Peter goes out, walking on the water himself. Oh, no, what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, he doesn't make it very far. He sees the wind around him. We don't know why Peter gets afraid. Is it, because remember, there's a storm swirling around him. Is it a big wave comes up and he, he realizes that? Does he have a doubt of like, oh no, did I just get tricked by a ghost? Like, we don't know why, but Peter gets afraid. But he has his 30 seconds of courage. There's a podcast I listen to and I love the premise of it. It is these three guys who hate horror movies. And their friends had a podcast network, and these, these three said, like, hey, can, can, we, we want to do a podcast. What can our podcast be? And their friend is kind of a jerk who owns the station and says, it has to be reviewing horror movies. So the premise of this is called Scaredy Boys. It's three people who hate horror movies reviewing horror movies. And it's as hilarious as you would expect it to be. But one of them, they joke, has 30 seconds of courage. That every once in a while, he's like, oh, no, I, this movie's not going to be bad. I can do this, or I, I can go to the situation. It's great. And then immediately he's like, oh, no, what have I done? Why did I, why did I agree to do that? This is kind of what's going on with Peter here. He has that instant, like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Jesus, tell me to come out to you. I'm going to go into the water. And then instantly, oh, no, what, what have I done? He's afraid. He starts going under the water. So what does he do? Immediately calls out for Jesus. Oh, but immediately calls out for Jesus. That's a great reaction when you're afraid. Jesus grabs his hand. And I think this is significant because Jesus didn't have to grab Peter's hand to pull him out of the water. But by doing that, showing he's not a ghost, kind of a call forward to Thomas later after the resurrection, Jesus touches him reassuring him, I'm here, I'm real, I'm with you. And I like the question that Jesus asked Peter. You know, you men of weak faith, why did you begin to have doubts? And I think it's interesting, the passage doesn't tell us the answer. We don't know Peter's answer. And that kind of makes it open-ended for us. Why do we have doubts? Why do we swing from moments of incredible faith where we're like, 100%, yes, I know exactly what's happening. I'm fully on board to, what have you done, God? What have you done to me? What, what is happening? Why do we have these pendulum swings so often? So from there, they get back onto the boat and the disciples proclaim, you must be God's son. I think it is interesting that it's, this event that makes them realize, oh, you must be God's son. Because they have seen Jesus do healings, miracles, raise the dead. We just read a passage earlier where Jesus has basically done this same thing, calmed the waters with his voice. But it's this that makes them say, you are the son of God. So our story wraps up. When they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gerashet, that site that I showed you earlier, when the people who lived in that place recognized him, Jesus, they sent word throughout the whole region and they brought everyone who, t- everyone who was sick to him. They began, they begged him that, he might touch, that they might touch the edge of his clothes and everyone who did touch him was cured. Everything just goes back to normal. It's just move ahead. The crowds show up, teaching starts again, the healing starts again. But the disciples are kind of changed now because of the realization that the person they're following is God's son. I just, I think it's so fascinating that this kind of big event, this really you know, powerful moment happens for these 12 people, 13, 12 and Jesus, and really for, for Peter and Jesus, and then it's just, you just kind of move on. It's this kind of encapsulated moment of togetherness, of closeness, that now propels them forward to continue to work together, continue to follow Jesus, but now they know who they're following. So what does this mean for us? What, what does the story have for us? I always think about when I hear this story, the disciples who stayed in the boat. They were relatively safe, Like they were still storming, but relatively safe. Rel- relatively secure. They were still out there following Jesus, but they, they were in the boat. Peter, very impulsive, put himself in a, a dangerous situation, was terrified, and needed rescuing. So I think that begs the question, why would I want to get out of the boat? I, that didn't go well for Peter. Why would I do that? Well, who did Jesus lay the foundations of the church on? Who was it that was given the keys to heaven and earth? Who was it that Jesus basically left in charge when he left? It wasn't Bartholomew. Now, how many people remembered Bartholomew was a disciple until I said that? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. No one remembers Bartholomew. It was Peter. Staying in the boat is just getting by. Staying in the boat is being afraid to do great things for the kingdom. Staying in the boat is just kind of hiding. It's just saying, yeah, I'm here, but I'm just gonna sit in the boat and watch. Now jumping out of the boat, that's scary. And just like Peter, we're probably going to mess things up. But just like with Peter, Jesus will be there to catch us. Jesus will be there, with his hand out, waiting for us. Right there to catch us. Just like with Peter. All we need is that 30 seconds of courage. That's all we need to start with. God will work with our 30 seconds of courage. Even if afterwards we're scared and realize, oh no, I'm not sure I should have done that. That's all God needs. God will grow that. God will mature that. God will use that. Because Peter goes from someone who couldn't walk you know, 15 feet to Jesus because he didn't have enough faith to someone who stood up and defied all of Rome. That's a big jump. Peter goes from someone who denies Jesus later to someone who died for Jesus. Growth. God will use that. We just have to step out of the boat. So what is that thing that God is calling you to use those 30 seconds of courage on? Is it diving into a class where you learn more about God, where you stretch yourself in some way? Is it jumping into an uncomfortable situation that you've been avoiding, but you know you need to go to? Is it jumping into a discipleship relationship, walking with someone in faith? Is it talking to someone about church, about your walk with God, about river tree, about whatever it is? Is it having a deep spiritual conversation with someone? Someone you haven't before? Someone you've maybe tried and you weren't sure how it went? Is it reaching out to make a new friend? Is that what your 30 seconds of courage is? Because that sounds like an easy thing, but it can be hard. What is it God is calling you to use those 30 seconds of courage on? You don't have to have it figured out. because Clearly, Peter didn't have anything figured out when he jumped out of the boat. We just have to believe God is there to catch us. We just have to keep our eye on Jesus and keep walking faithfully forward, taking the next faithful step. We have to trust Jesus, allow Jesus to take over the situation. And that's when the amazing, powerful kingdom work begins. That's when we fully dive in and become disciples of Christ. Jump out of the boat. Take that risk. Take that chance. Join me as we pray.